Go for it, Cameron. Thank you. Um, actually, just before I start, I just want to share something that I felt in worship, and yeah, I was just to encourage to to share this as kind of a precursor to what I'm going to be saying here. It doesn't relate to my, my sermon whatsoever, but yeah, um, my closer, better? Cool. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry, guys. It's a learning process. Um, yeah, so... I just really just got the feeling um, and got reminded about how how God is such a jealous God, you know, and so that's both for for us to give ourselves, but then he also, like, irrespective of how much we actually want to do the work within ourselves, how much we want to walk out anything, any aspect of sin, anything like that, he wants that so much more. He, yeah, he wants absolutely everything within us, and he has the power to actually just come in and just completely remove that. So, yeah, just even... As I share what I have over here, I'm just going to pray that he's going to come and he's going to highlight these things. And then we'll just be, uh, yeah, just kind of avail our hearts to to allowing him to come in in that manner. Um, so, yeah, just a little intro to to who I am. As as you heard, I'm Cameron. I've been in Josh Jen for coming up on three years now. My family are sitting there and there. Um, very stoked to have them there. My girlfriend is over there. Um, so, yeah, um, and that's, that's pretty much me. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of in, in the week leading up to this, guys. I don't think I've ever been simultaneously so excited and so terrified to share the same thing uh, <laughs> as, I am, as I am now. Yeah, um, but thankfully, you know, that's changed, and I'm only terrified now. So um, <laughs> my hands, hands on shaking, yours are. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, Luke asked me to share last week following a conversation that we had just on something that the Lord's been really highlighting to me recently um, and, and challenging me on. Um, as a backstory to, to my experience with church, um, I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian family kind of throughout the church, um, but I experienced a slow fade from church kind of starting in my grade 10 year. Um, I had a lot of questions that weren't answered well. I wasn't actually engaging with the Lord. And yeah, I had a lot of cynicism within my own heart. Um, and I also kind of felt like there was a discrepancy in between what was getting preached and what I was reading and what I was seeing lived out. Um, you know, I didn't see anything, any difference between the Christians that uh, I saw in the church and, and around me and, and my friends, you know, and both were nice groups of people, um, seemed happy. And yeah, I like both of them. Um, I was invited to church again um, about three years after kind of slipping out of it, arrived slightly late during worship, um, which doesn't happen now, guys. Um, and yeah, I distinctly remember walking in um, and just being floored immediately by the way that people were worshipping. Um, you know, we were in COVID, everyone was stay spaced apart, there was no big group at the front, but people were just giving their their everything and immediately you could see the genuine love and the passion and the and the desire to encounter the Lord in that moment. And I'm I'm not gonna deny that that's that's what, what hooked me from the beginning. It was like wow, these people they love the Lord and that comes through so so prevalently. Um yeah, it was it was just incredible, and and I mean, even after the service, um, so many people were keen to get to know me, um, even like you know to to go for for a walk together because that's all that we were allowed to do, and yeah, it was just incredibly hospitable. This 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 genuine love is what drew me into church, um, and so 
kind of just been reflecting on that since the outreach in San Clemente um, when we went through to a church plant in Newport. Um, Nick Whelan led the session and sent through a scripture in Romans 12 um, that he asked us to read over and then prepare a testimony on something that stood out to us. And so in, in Romans 12, it says, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with a brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haunty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. Do not be overcome. And Sorry, later on, it says, do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so... I mean, there's so much in this scripture, and I was very tempted to actually just plunge into this and like just try try decompose it. But what really stood out to me from the get go, and something that stuck with me, is just that first line. It's it what prefaces everything in the scripture. Let love be genuine, right? That's what what comes first before all of these different actions, before everything else that he's calling us into, every like change that we need to like look at within our own lives. It starts with this genuine love. And so I've been thinking recently, you know, like what, what is this genuine love? What, how do we show this genuine love to the Lord? What is the distinction between this genuine love and the love that comes naturally? Um, and so, yeah, just in, in thinking this, this over, you know, just looking at it, first and foremost, genuine love, it comes from the Lord. Um, it cannot be sustained in our own strength. We might be able to, you know, like have a moment and an encounter and we seek the Lord and then we're going to go after him, but we, we, we need to do it with him. And we want, might want to serve in the church, but we need to do it through him. We need to be sustained by him first and foremost. As soon as we try to do that in our own strength, it's actually an attempt to love either in an, in an attempt to receive in kind, um, out of a religious sense of duty or seeking to find purpose or validation in this action. And that's not going to be able to be sustained. All of these reasons, it's actually, it's loving out of a deficit of ourselves that only the Lord can satisfy. So, yeah, I was even just, just now, I was reminded of a time when I was up in, in PE or Obecha. Um, and... <laughs> Thanks, 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 Ken Sandy. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, I was up there and was in church, was worshiping, and yeah, just encountering the Lord, and yeah, just things came crashing down. I felt the question, why do you love me? And I was like, sure, like, I mean, this is going to be easy to ask, Lord, why do I love you? Like, you're amazing, you do all of these things, like, you know, you sent your son to die for me. I was like, this, this was such an easy thing to answer but like every single thing you know that I was saying like you know everything that I said that he'd done for me everything that you know he, he, he has done it just kind of felt like head knowledge you know it wasn't actually like integral to it and I like full on started having a crisis of faith guys I was like do I even love the Lord you know like everything that I say like I, I know and I've been taught but is, is that something that I hold on to right and sure like I mean skip forward there's a lot more to the story but it ended with kind of the revelation that that, you know, we love because he first loved us. 
So it's not, why do you love the Lord, but you love me? What are you going to do with that love? You know, I loved you first, and so you can love me, right? It's not actually something in our own strength. It's not a bunch of reasons that we've managed to come up with. It's, it's, it's him, guys. Um, and I mean, yeah, if we start looking kind of outward as well, we can apply this, this same thing to, to everyone in our congregation, you know? Like, why do... I love all of you guys. And I mean, I could say, you know, oh, Luke, you've met up with me for so many coffees. You know, Gala, you guys have hosted me in your house so many times. Like all of these different people, like the things that you guys have done for me. But I mean, is that really the reason that I love you? And it's not. It's because the Lord loves me and he's like actually telling me to like, hey, you know, love his church. That's where it comes from. That's the core of it. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit as well. I struggle with this so much, guys. I try to do so much in my strength all the time. Um, and it's, it's so easy to, to stray away from having Jesus as the source and as the reason for this love. Um, but it's actually comical if you think about it, you know. If God is love, how can we expect to love without him? It's, it's that simple, you know. It, it doesn't make any logical sense there. Uh, lost my place. There we go. Um, so yeah, next up, um, genuine love, it, it prompts action, right? And that action always glorifies God. That's how we know that this is genuine love. When he's the source, we are prompted to this action. How could we not love when we know that we are loved by God? The people that I saw worshiping the first time that I came through to church and the way that I see people worshiping in this, uh, in this church, it's just an overflow it's they see that genuine love from the Lord. They want to love him back. And so they're going to be prompted into action. We see that again in John 21, where Jesus says to Simon Peter, you know, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He responds, yes, Lord. He said, you know that I love you. And immediately Jesus calls him back to action and says, feed my lambs. You know, this genuine love prompts action. Okay. And in fact, this was actually repeated three times. So like really just driving this point home. The next thing that he's been pushing into is that this love, it's actually a requirement of following Jesus. We see in Matthew 22, when the Pharisees asked Jesus what the most important commandment was, his response was to first love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all our mind, a genuine love. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. Right here, the authority of Christianity, Christ himself, gives us the most important commandment as the starting point that we need to work for from our faith. He builds on this commandment in John 15 um, of loving your neighbors, where he commands us to love each other as he has loved us. So it's not even as we love ourselves anymore, it's as he has loved us. That just kind of raises the bar so much. But he actually shows us just afterwards, and he guides us in how this is shown. You know, he says, there's greater love than this, has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He did this in the most incredible way. It was even touched on in worship, where it's not just the literal sense of him dying and him laying down his life for us, but him laying down his life in heaven to come be with us, to come serve us in that way and to come love us on this earth, physically, tangibly. Jesus goes on even further and says that the way that we love is how we will be identified as Christians. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I remember recently speaking with someone um, about her relationship with her com leaders and how her parents could not understand whatsoever why anyone would answer her calls at 2 a.m. in the morning when she was going through a rough patch. 
And this was not the easy option, you know. <laughs> but they were willing to bear that cost um, for her to show this love. This was what stood out to her parents, right? And um, yeah, this is actually like how they identified her as a Christian. Um, this was the this was the distinct distinction, and this was noticed by people, not just in this church. And Jesus gave this instruction to his disciples, this by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another, with full knowledge of how difficult it would be for them, as it will be for us. Right? I was not aware of this, but um, within the 12, I always thought they were like, cool, good buddy, buddy, friends and everything like that. But we actually had Simon the Zealot, who was part of a group, or, or is thought to have been part of a group, of um, or like a little sect within the Jewish community called the Zealots. And these Zealots were against everything within the Roman Empire. They did not pay taxes and they were, you know, desperately trusting on this Messiah to come in violently overthrow Rome. In the same group, we have Matthew, the tax collector, who is pretty much everything that Simon would stand against. And Jesus looked at them and he was like, listen, you guys need to love each other well enough that people will be able to look at you and say, cool, you know, you guys are Christian. And so if he gave that to the 12, he gave that to us as well. He knows full well how difficult this is going to be, how much we're going to have to push in. But hey, guys, God uses those who love genuinely. Um, Luke is an example of that when he stepped into leading City Bowl. Many of us have heard the story, but when he was called into leadership, he went to the Lord and he was like, Lord, how do, how do I lead these guys? And the question that the Lord asked him was, can you love them? That was what qualified him. You know, that's why the Lord used him in this role. And that's how he's been able to, to lead us and lead the congregation and love us all so well. You know, he uses those who love genuinely. He does the exact same thing with Timothy, where we see Paul writes in Philippians that he wants to send Timothy through to them. And the reason that he wants to send Timothy through to them rather than anyone else is because and Paul says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. This is what qualified Timothy to go through and do God's work over there. And so God is going to be using those who love genuinely. Once again, for both these people, right, God is the source. It might be a bit difficult to ask Timothy now, but I'm sure that if we ask Luke, you know, like, <laughs> how are you able to love and and to lead us kind of this consistently, his answer would be that it's by God's grace alone. You know, he's he's drawing from the source and the source alone. This genuine love, it stems from the Lord and it prompts us into it prompts us to love his creation and calls us into action. This love is how we are identified as Christians and it needs to be that genuine love. It needs to have a mark and it it will often have a cost. But God uses those who love in this manner. I really do believe that this is the core of our faith. And I just want to close with a passage in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong of a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, but if I have faith that, and, I, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to my poor, to, to the poor, and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And this is the crux of it. 
anything, any action that we do, any, any part of our faith needs to have love at the core. So good. Thank you.